Oh, man, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at that meeting whenever they first showed up and uh, and seen, seen the reaction or, or, or like just kind of how that whole conversation went down. Uh, just off of that response right there, uh, we talked about it earlier, sounds like BV was uh, chomping at the bit for the opportunity to say yes. Uh, which is really, really cool. And, well, uh, um, Harris made a comment there that, you know, at, at some point during the process that he was like, so do you do you want to be our head coach or what, <laughs> basically? So, <laughs> I, yeah, I, the the feeling that we had of like, and he's the guy, he's our guy, it, it feels like that he and Josie kind of knew that too. Yep, uh, really, really, really cool. Um I don't know. We get to see the first first time in action coming up this this weekend, though. I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. I think they'll be I think they'll be fairly sharp, but I do think that there's going to be some stuff perhaps that um, maybe we walk away saying here's here's where they need some work. I think probably the line of scrimmage is going to be the biggest thing, right? The Offensive and defensive lines, trying to figure out who those guys are going to be. Defensively, mainly who's going to be like your your go-to pass rushers. Offensive line, um, can you can you find the right five that work together that are consistent that can uh, move people in the running game, protect your quarterback in the passing game? Now, I think whenever you get into the season, there's going to be some things that just help them tempo-wise and scheme-wise that are going to help them be. Uh, successful, but I mean, to me, those are the two real. There's plenty of stuff to watch, and that battle's not always the most enjoyable to to watch and, and try and find who the players are, who needs work. But like, that's ultimately going to tell the story for the season, right? Yeah, I mean, no doubt. We, I think I think we're going to feel good about skill position guys and and quarterback play and, and stuff like that, but. How far we we go? How far this team can can make it in the postseason or whatever is going to be dictated by what can they do on the line of scrimmage. Who's got the current buzz right now on the team? That's always a fun conversation, and it we've listed several guys um, so far throughout the spring. It's a little bit easier to get that information, seeing as the media can go out to practice. Former players, oh my God, are actually invited to go out to practice with this new coaching staff. But it seems like the latest name that is getting a lot of buzz, and this guy's playing well, got a chance to start at one of the corner spots. Can I walk or the Louisville transfer? Yeah. Yep. Um, looks the part. I mean, athletically, just looks like uh, an absolute beast. So I agree with that. And. You know, I, I think that the, when you start thinking about like, what the secondary can look like with like a guy like Kenai Walker, um, you know, some of the safety got like Key Lawrence, who's got some some good size to him on the back end. Now, obviously, Bowman is, you know, he's under six foot, but like, athletically is absolutely gifted. He's explosive. He's fast. Um, he's got a chance to be. A special player, but uh, you may have, you may get to a lineup where you got a guy like Kanai Walker, you got a guy like Key Lawrence, 
you got a guy like perhaps a, a Justin Harrington or something, if he can grab it and maybe maybe play that nickel spot, you could end up having some nice size on the in the on the edges and in the secondary for Oklahoma, which you know we've been wanting to get to that. I mean, that's yeah. that's been the destination we've been trying to claw to for years now, and feels like we're just on the cusp of getting there. Who's won the spring? Um, two, three, four guys. I mean, whatever the number is, I guess we could just stick with one if we wanted to. Someone that since the hire has been made, and not just the spring, the winter as well, that has really kind of transformed themselves and put themselves in a great situation to have an awesome year. I'm looking at Braden Willis, and though all the hype's around Javante Barnes, I'm kind of, I'm looking at Eric Gray too. I think the guy who was a relative unknown last year that has a chance to be the superstar this year is Jalil Farouk. Yeah. Now, um, not to take anything away from the guys that you mentioned, I, I like those guys and I agree with those guys, but they're kind of known commodities to some degree. Um, I, I mean, unless... Listeners here and people that have been following the spring, which isn't the majority of the the fan base. Like if you just talk about uh, the the people in the fall that show up to the games and, and really start to dial in in August as to what the team's going to look like. I, I don't think most fans know kind of what's been going on with Jalil Farouk. That's why I think he could be the name coming out of the spring game where everyone is like, wow. Yeah. We, we have a potential superstar here. And, and regardless if I, – I, I it, it doesn't matter the situation or what it was before. If he has a great year, if he's the number one receiver this year, if he's the number two receiver this year, boy, that former uh, head coach is going to get a lot of crap, isn't he? Whether uh, it's justified or not, I'm just saying the fans are going <laughs> to – they'll have something to say about that if he has a great year this year. You mean like – like where was he last year? Yes, Why didn't we exactly? Yeah, because yeah. we did see him last year in the Alamo Bowl, and he was you know one of the biggest stories of the entire game. Well, uh, yeah, one of the other biggest stories of the game was how efficient and effective Eric Gray was, right? So, two of the guy or one of the guys that we were really le- hoping to lean on throughout the season, Eric Gray, it just it never really never really worked he had a couple of nice moments but you know he he just he couldn't find any real consistency throughout a game and Oregon comes around and Eric Gray was fantastic out of the backfield running the ball Jalil Farouk showed up made a couple of nice plays uh I think that could be the that could be the case with several guys it could be the case with Farouk with Gray Uh, like if Eric Gray has a huge year if if Braden Willis has a huge year, you know I, I think there's there's an opportunity for plenty of that. And same thing defensively, you know I I think if if any of those guys, whether it's uh, legit legitimate or not, if some of the guys that were on the team last year show up and like well, have great years this coming year, well then like that's kind of going to be kind of the same thing. Is it's going to be looked at as Instead of a natural progression, which is probably responsible for most of it, it's going to be 
the blame will be laid at the feet of the former regime. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and I find that funny. I, I, I find the whole Alamo Bowl game funny. Yeah, Oregon had some guys out, including their you know, D lineman that's going to go uh, in the first round of the NFL draft. But they still had some good play. They still got good players at Oregon. You know, the, yeah. a lot of people nationally would lead you to believe that OU's not going to be able to run a halfback dive now since Lincoln Riley <laughs> isn't the head coach anymore, you know? And in the one game that he wasn't there, they scored 30 points in the first half and looked as potent offensively as they have all year long. So I just kind of find it funny that Cale Gundy was calling the plays, and that's maybe the game that we saw saw that offense at its best. I don't know. And really, if you go back, man, how many games in the past two years could you say, you know what, OU played really, really well today? I went back and kind of thought about it. The uh, Alamo Bowl would be one, right, that you go back and say, yeah, oh, you played really well. Like, they didn't play great defensively towards the tail end of the game, but with right. the situation, they played well. Are you good with that? Yeah, yeah. And now, and I'm talking about against relatively good football teams, like a top 25 team. Is there right. is there any other game they played last year where we thought, wow, OU played a really good football game today? Um, Second half against Texas, no. but clearly they got down 28-7, right. Um, the only ones I could think of in 2020 were the Oklahoma State game at home, which OSU was an 8-3 right. team that year, and Florida in the Cotton Bowl, and they were completely decimated. So, like, I think you can make a point, dude, that Bob Stoops coached in more games the past two years where we said, wow, OU brought it today against a good team. They played really well. Then Lincoln Riley did the entire previous two seasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it it is it is interesting. Like they would put together really good halves. Um, you know, they would put together uh, maybe a, a really good game on one side of the ball. Uh, maybe they put together solid effort offensively, defensively, but special teams would would you know leave. A lot to be desired. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm with you on that. If you didn't, uh, I'm with you on that. If you didn't catch the athletic story on Brent Venables, it's it's really really good. Uh, one of the first thing that's mentioned is he has an hourglass <laughs> on his desk in his office, and he said, "quote about that." There's a reminder. That's a reminder right there. Just a reminder that whether it's players or whether it's staff or it's coaches, we've got to be intentional. We're not getting that time back. Make them all count. So I just use that thinking about going to the SEC. You're on the clock. It's coming. It's happening. So you better get ready. That's very, very exciting, end quote. And you've mentioned it, that everything they do up there is about getting ready for the SEC. And it's really hard to disagree with that when you you read that quote. Right. Well, uh, and – some of the stuff is not going to be easy you know it's it's going to require a a massive amount of buy-in from not just players coaches but administration fans donors Uh, it everything matters keep saying it it all matters and the reality is we we've got to remember as as fans as you know, people that are close with the program that 
you we're convincing we're trying to convince kids to come to Oklahoma over Alabama, over Georgia, over Texas A&M, over some of these these places that have the the latest and the greatest and the most and the biggest and the loudest and all of those things. Like there's got to be a reason and it's not going to be that we won a championship in 1985 or in 2000 or that Baker Mayfield is getting a Heisman Trophy. Like, those things are great, and that's a piece of it. But uh, you, you've got to be able to convince someone, like, of their, the best is there right now. And you've got to come and take advantage of it over going to Alabama, over going to Georgia. So that requires a, a big investment on – a bunch of different levels and in a bunch of different areas. So, And he's kind of opened a lot of eyes around here to that because when the SEC right. move was initially announced, and I, I definitely fall in this category, it's, well, will it be tougher? Yeah, but at the end of the day, OU's been consistent over numerous decades. They'll be fine in the SEC. They'll be okay. And I still believe that today. But I think Brent Venable's approach or take initially was, yeah, I agree, but for that to really happen, we got a lot. We got to do several things around here to be ready to, you know, go into that league. Because as but, is it, right now, they're 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 not ready. Here's the other thing too: is do you want to be okay whenever you make the transi- transition to the SEC, or do you want to be dominant when you make the transition to the SEC? I. If if you don't go in ready to roll and ready to, like, open some eyes and shock some people, like, my guess is, like, if, if in the first year you go, you really need to make an SEC championship to maintain the level of, like, cachet or... You know what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. the like your reputation going in in order to maintain that because there's a lot of people that think that Oklahoma is just cruising through an easy Big Twelve. I if if you don't make like an SEC, and I'm not saying that it has to happen, but like if you really want to turn heads and capitalize, your first year better be like you are right there in the conversation to be the best team in the conference. Here's what Brent said. And if quote, you, yeah, you, no, go ahead, finish that thought. No, no, that's I'm just saying like you. You need, it needs to happen quick to where you announce your presence in the conference. You're going into the lion's den. You get one shot to go into the SEC. Let's make sure that we're fully equipped when we do. Don't go in here and try to figure it out. You're going to get baptized. So we're working tirelessly, really since we got here for that, whenever that is, down the road, because that's coming. Yep. That's right. Totally agree. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on here from Ash Cigar Lounge. Really cool spot. We've got TVs everywhere. We've got bartenders mixing some of their signature cocktails. A really good selection of cigars here as well. Really, really fun spot to hang out. We'll be back.
It is the rush on the ref. We're brought to you by Pacifico. Pacifico letter reminds you to live life. Anchors up. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Keep the text coming. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Week one of the college football season is going to be awesome this year. Now, most of those awesome games uh, do include SEC teams. Not a lot of awesome games Uh, with Big 12 squads, but Caesars has uh, lines outs for a lot of these Week 1 games, and some of these are interesting, dude. First one, and I guess technically this is a Week 0 game, but Nebraska and Northwestern in Dublin, the Huskers are listed as a a 10.5-point favorite over the Northwestern Wildcats. Wow. Why are you so shocked by that? Because they haven't won a game... Uh, by more than a, a score ever since under 2000, Frost, I guess. It's been 20 years since they've won a game by double digits. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess that is interesting, but that really doesn't shock me. I I still think that Nebraska is going to be a good football team next year. I think they were a good football team last year that just doesn't know how to win. Uh, we'll see if they can, can get over that that mental block that they've got in some of those games. But I, I do think they're going to be a pre- pretty legitimate team. Sneaky good game in Fayetteville. Cincinnati made it to the college football yeah. playoff last year. They're, they're at Arkansas week one. Cincinnati loses a lot. They're a seven-and-a-half-point dog at Arkansas. Oh, what a good line. Man, I right now – I'd take uh, Arkansas minus 10. I think Arkansas wins the game by 10 10. right now. Why are you giving 10? The line's 7.5. Well, I'm just telling you what I think. I think Arkansas wins the game by 10. Uh, That's what I'm saying. I'll take Cincinnati in the points. I think Arkansas wins a close one, but I'll take Cincinnati in the points. Yeah. Another. That's going to be a really good game. Another really good game. Utah and Florida in the swamp. This one is at a pick'em. Utah and Florida at a pick'em. Give me Utah. Yeah, um, I, you know I'd like Billy Napier at Florida. I think they're going to be really good in time, but Utah is a lot better football team right now. I'll take the Utes by like a field goal, man, but it, that'll be a close game. Close, low-scoring game. Utah is – they're going to be good. They have – and I don't know. I need to go back and refresh on their entire roster, but they're not—they're not losing a whole lot of guys, right? You've got a good quarterback coming back. TJ Pledger's uh, gone, but got they got a really the quarterback good back. Physical, yeah. yeah, yeah, good physical running game. Plenty of good uh, defensive players. I like—I li- just—I like the way that they play. That's a tough, tough football team. Who's going to be playing quarterback at Florida? Anthony Richardson. He had three touchdown passes, I think, a week ago in Florida spring game. And then a few days before that, he got pulled over for doing like uh, 120 miles per hour down the uh, down the highway. Oh, so yeah. He is, he's SEC. That's he's right. he's an SEC that. ready, man. That's how you roll in that conference. Yeah. Now, yep. the, the two yeah, biggest. That's, that, that is a good one. The two biggest non-con games, maybe definitely of week one. Maybe the entire non-conference portion of the schedule. Notre Dame at Ohio State, and then you have Oregon at Georgia in the Georgia Dome. First off, Oregon is a 15-point dog 
against the Georgia Bulldogs in Atlanta. Woo, that's a big old number. That's a lot. Um, that's a lot. I, I think that Georgia is going to handle Oregon pretty convincingly. Here's, here's kind of my, my take on that. I think Lanning is going to be there, and obviously he's given them the whole SEC of the West uh, conversation, and I'm sure it's like super physical up there, and, and he's being hard on them, but like it's going to be another level. And there's got to be a little bit from Kirby Smart, a little bit of the uh, – teacher-student situation, right? right, They're going to have something for Oregon. And I think it's going to be a rude awakening, like how far they've got to go. Not to say that Oregon's not going to be any good, but like to all of a sudden, right out of the gate with a whole new staff, new offense, new defense, going up against the national, the reigning national champion, yeah, I think I think Georgia's going to get the best. George, yeah, Georgia's going to win. Fifteen is a lot. Um, as much as Kirby Smart will have something for Dan Lanning, you know Dan Lanning for as SEC as they want to be, they know how crucial this game is. I feel like their entire offseason is going to be de- dedicated to that Georgia game in Week One. Doesn't mean they could still do that and still lose yeah. the game by by two scores, but um, or or going to come prepared, man. Um, this one also surprised me. Notre Dame at Ohio State right out of the chute. Notre Dame is a 13-and-a-half point dog against the Buckeyes. Ohio State will be the number two team to start the season, but Notre Dame's probably going to be a top eight team. Yeah, I, I, would, I would think Notre Dame's probably going to be six. Yeah, maybe top five. Got a chance to be top five. Six. Yeah, right, right there on the fringe. Um, I, I do think that Ohio State is they're going to be on another level, especially on the offensive side. We'll see what their defense can do, though, man. They've got a new defensive coordinator. Obviously, we all know that, but I mean, they've they've had some struggles since Ryan Day took over as head coach on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, is, is that just a was that a coordinator issue they had, or is that the way that he's running things there? I mean, you got to start to question it. Are they going to become so offensively uh, predominant that their defense is, is going to start to struggle? Because, you know, during Urban Meyer's tenure, they were fantastic on the defensive side. And pretty much every year we're spitting out, like, top five defensive picks at D-line and corner, like, routinely over and over and over. What's the spread for They've o- kind of faded away from that a bit. What's the spread for OU UTEP? OU minus 32? 42 and a half. 42 and a half? Good God, man. Whew. That's my guess. I don't know. I, UTEP's uh, terrible. Yeah, they are pretty bad. 42 and a half. All right. I don't know if that's, I'm gonna. I'm that's not, a big I, number, but I, I don't know if I'm gonna roll with that line on OU side. But okay. Do you think that's too? What do you, you think? Thirty two is realistic. No, I I honestly have no idea what's realistic. I was just throwing out a number, but just the number forty two in general like really scares me to throw that one out. 
Oh, oh yeah. Especially if we, we have no idea what to expect coming in. I'm just, I mean, I'm we'll just have jaded. an idea what to expect, but I'm very jaded after the two lane game last year. You have to understand this scenario that I'm in. I oh, think we hey, all are. I understand. That was a great two lane team. They won one or two more games the rest of the yeah, year. Only gave up like seventy to Ole Miss last year. Had us had us had us beat on our own field, basically. Uh, they had to move the game because of what uh, a hurricane, and uh, here we are in in the final moments of the fourth quarter. Tulane's got the ball, and if we don't somehow miraculously swoop at the quarterback's legs, he converts a first down. They're probably going to beat us. Well, they uh... like, that's the thing, man. They should. They should have fired. At that point, they should have fired Lincoln didn't. before the game that day. Is what they should have done. Um, if there's a uh, seriously, he, yeah. he he should have just rolled out to SC in September after saying, "Well, it's too hot. We don't want our teams going through warmups out in the hot, even though we're going to play a three-hour game." Should have fired him on the spot right before the season even started. Pathetic. You think he was already looking for a new job at that point? Probably. I, I don't I don't know. That that still just annoys me to no end. Out of all the soft kettlebell things that were going on to move your team to the indoor to get prepared for a game out in the heat is without a doubt the softest thing I think I've ever heard of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Um, which it reminds me of that did you see the some I don't I don't know who it is and I'm I'm sorry for not giving the proper credit but yesterday whenever that players tribune article came out someone like took a picture of one of the uh, of, of like him talking about how quickly it all came together and it was a blur but then referenced that like back not too long ago like the LA Times article that came out said that his representation and USC started having conversations all the way back in September. Yeah. Right? He's a liar. So it's interesting that he's still, even though that it's been out there in the L.A. Times, he's still acting as if it all happened that that one fateful evening after the Oklahoma State uh, loss. Yeah. Well, Weird. I, I, I also like, you know, I honestly felt like I was never going to leave Oklahoma. How many times has he said that? Oh, so it all came together. Like you go about life thinking that you're never going to leave Oklahoma. And then a Zoom call just changes your mind that quickly. Really, bud? I, I mean, right. like if you think you're going to stay somewhere forever and you get persuaded that easy over one Zoom call, I find that very odd and not believable. Right. We all know the Zoom call was not about him saying yes. The Zoom call was about how are they going to orchestrate this whole thing tomorrow morning. That's what the yes. Zoom call was about, yes, right? totally, yes. So, right. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. We've got a couple of segments left. Hanging out at the Ash Cigar Lounge up in OKC, 712 North Broadway. You can't miss this really, really cool spot. We got tons of premier cigars here. We got a bartender serving signature uh, cocktails. Really, really cool stuff. We'll be back.
The Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of the rush on this Wednesday. You guys are lighting up the text line right now. I, I know many people are over the whole mule shoe saga, but I'll get to a few of these texts. Every time Lincoln says anything, it just makes me more grateful for BV. Thank God for the new culture of character and determination. And in a Teddy voice, Lincoln Riley sucks. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, listen, there's different ways to do things, okay? There's, um, you know, there's the... The new age, like, let's make everything cool and fun and easy, and um, it's all about the individual and, like, the platform and, and all of that stuff. I think that's kind of what, you know, Lincoln Riley has, has kind of put out there. And there's the, kind of the more old school way where it's about team. It's about grinding through it together. And we're converting back to a little bit more of the old school, which is awesome. That's you know, what's winning. Obviously, new school ain't winning, right? Well, you know, I think there's there's always pluses and minuses to all kinds of different things, and I, I believe that like, when you are trying to develop kids. Like to truly develop them and turn them into better football players and adults and accountable human beings. Like, there's got to be some really strict discipline going on whenever you've you've got guys in this age category. There's a hundred of them there. Um, they're they're elevated on social media and in the community because. Because of what they do and who they play for and all those things, like if you don't step in there and lay down some strict structure, things can spin out of control on you pretty quickly. Yeah, let's get to right? a few more here quickly. Uh, I think he was looking for a new job after the armed robbery. That's good. Yeah, if, perhaps. If he, I can't necessarily blame him. If he would just man up and tell the truth, we wouldn't be talking about it. Still, we hate liars and hold grudges out here. I definitely hold grudges. That's the thing. That's it. It's okay. Just stop trying to convince everyone that, oh, man, all shucks. It's, you know, just one of those things that kind of came out of left field and such a great opportunity for, for my family. We were going to, you know, die on the vine here in Norman if we didn't find out, find a way to make, you know, Five more dollar or five million more dollars a year, we probably just wouldn't be able to survive. This article is tailored uh, exactly for you, man. It's via the athletic. It's you know which schools are fiscally responsible, paying their head coach, and which schools are not, man. Um, <laughs> for each school, I have the cost per win from 2010 to Ooh. 2019. So you average the amount of wins during that time by how much they paid their head coaches. Now, this will not surprise you. Kansas paid uh, for paid more money for a win than any other Power 5 team. Kansas paid $8.96 million, just under $9 million for every single win from 2010 to 2019. Oh, my God. Wow. Amazing. 
Arkansas is next, all the way down at six million. So basically, they're at six million. KU is paying three million dollars more than any other Power Five team for a win during that time period. Disgusting. But Arkansas. Well, that's next. what happens. Yeah, you know, if you only win five games in a decade, yeah, that that is going to spiral out of control pretty quickly if you're doing it per win. KU, Arkansas, Rutgers, and then the University of Texas, baby. Fourth Ooh. highest, $5.1 million per win from 2010 to 2019, right in the prime stages of the decade of suck. Jeez, that's insane. Golly. And if, you know what? Probably the most fiscally responsible of any team in the country is probably Alabama. No. You know, no. who's who's probably had one of the the highest paid during that entire stretch. It's still probably they're paying less per win than anyone else. They are uh, they're they're towards the top a little, 4.32 million dollars, but there's a difference, right? Bama can justify their 4.32 million dollars they paid for each win. Texas not so much when none of those wins have really been relevant. Whoa, 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 whoa. Alabama is how much per win? 4.3 million. There's no way. It's, well, that's what it says. There's no way. Over the last decade? They are paying, I mean, they're paying, saving close to $10 million. So I, well, yeah, well, yeah. Maybe more if than that. If they're paying him, yeah, but if they're paying $4 million per win, they're winning 12 games a year. That would mean they'd have to pay $48 million They must be factoring year. in the entire coaching staff then because that that number does not add up. But here they are, $4.32 no. million. Huh. Interesting. At the bottom of the list is Kansas State, $2.27 million. Good for them. Oklahoma State is right above that at $2.33 million. OU's been pretty good in this category, just $3.17 million for each win during that time period. They're, uh, they're close to the bottom of the list. Hmm. That's weird. That Huh. I don't get, I don't get how they're breaking that down. I wonder, if it's, I wonder if it's done, like, per their payout during that, like, how much of their payout goes – to that win or something. I don't know. It, that's that's a weird formula. But we have been like, – Coach Stoops was was paid really well, but I don't know that he was ever paid ridiculous, like considering what the market was. And it was the same thing with Lincoln. Like they got a year – a cheap year. Like 2017 was a cheap year for Lincoln – and then, it, obviously, it's gone up, up, up since then. And I would say, even though it's a, a really high number, I, I, to get Venables at at the price that we got him seems like uh, a home run, in yeah. my opinion. O- OU has um, – didn't really feel like they've ever, ever overpaid for a coach. You know what I mean? Like, it's never been a reach. They've paid, they've paid well for their head coach. But they've never really overpaid for someone that hasn't proven it at this level. You know what I mean? Like, Bob was paid really well, but 
Bob didn't really get paid really well until, you know, after that first national championship and he had it, had it rolling. Like, they just haven't operated as one of those programs where they're going to go get a new head coach and just go throw $9 million at someone and hope it sticks. They've been well, very and, fiscally and responsible. Kind of, yeah, and that's kind of the good thing, too, is that not hiring a – I know a lot of people nationally are – you know, they're just um, they're handpicking times whenever they don't trust a guy that's never been a head coach before, and it happens to be uh, Brent Venables for some unknown reason. But you know, other guys they totally trust, like a, maybe a Lanning or a Marcus Freeman. But you know, in this instance, you know, it's I don't know if he can get it done. But that's one of the good things about going that route is you know you don't have to pay that premium if. If Oklahoma was going to hire a, a legitimate, like a head coach that's already accomplished what you would have wanted him to accomplish, then you're going to be paying that ultimate, ultimate premium, which is probably would have been eight, nine million bucks a year, so or maybe even higher. That number is entire football operations budget. That's where that comes from. That's why Bama's so high. Gotcha. And we know they spend gotcha. more than probably. I mean. Georgia and Alabama seem to be one and two for how much they spend, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ours is about to go up. Yeah, that's a good thing. You know, I mean, initially I thought you want to be as low on this list as possible, but now I think you want to be somewhere in the middle or towards the top. It means that you're spending money to to make money. That's what they got to do. Yep. You're going to have to. You're going to have to be up there at the top. All right, let's hit a quick timeout here from Ash Cigar Lounge up in OKC. Final segment is next. Stay tuned.